your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, another week of Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good weekend. I know it was another tough Saturday for the Big Red as they come up short 38-31 to the Indiana Hoosiers. Nebraska now back to 500, 4-4 after the loss to IU on Saturday. Got a lot to get, get to here on the program tonight. Head coach Scott Frost with a press conference earlier today. Some really interesting things that he got into today about how he addressed the team after the game, that they then had another team meeting this morning before they practiced, where they they aired some things out, which I think is probably a good thing for where this team is going right now. It's a you've got your eight games in, four to go. The the last four are going to determine whether you get postseason play, whether you get a bull bid, and so there's still a lot to play for. So uh, we'll hear from the head coach here in just a little bit. Hour number two, it's our first men's basketball radio show for the season. Head coach Fred Oyberg will be here from 7 to 8. We'll take your phone calls at that time to talk about Husker Hoops. They had a closed-door scrimmage with Wichita State on Saturday. They will also be hosting Doan on Wednesday night at PBA. That'll be their lone exhibition game before starting the season a week from tomorrow. Ben McLaughlin, November the 5th, here goes. UC Riverside, you're ready, right? Yeah, ready, set, go. Man, it feels (laughs) like forever ago since we were in Italy with the team, but I know they've been working hard in practice every day and trying to get themselves to a level uh, on the floor, playing with one another to where they can go compete. And uh, we're going to find out real soon how that goes. You bet. So the head coach will be here in hour number two. Our third hour, we'll have our weekend rewind, and we'll check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com as we do each and every Monday to get a look at the national college football scene from the past weekend. Huge upset in Manhattan as Kansas State beats Oklahoma. That really changes the Big 12's ability to get a team into the playoffs. Uh, also, Michigan with a big statement win as they pound Michigan. We'll uh, get the Adam's thoughts about that. He was at the Michigan or the Ohio State Wisconsin game in Columbus on Saturday. Hopefully, he's dried out from from that game. And as always, want to hear from you eight six six Husker one eight six six four eight seven five three seven one. Let's start with with the game on Saturday. Great start for Nebraska. Wonderful drives. The first and second time they had the football, two five-play, 75-yard drives in under two minutes. Scoring on both drives and up, up 14-3. to three. But you never – you just never felt like Nebraska was okay because of the way Indiana was moving the football. And they kept answering back on Nebraska. And then there were a couple of really big plays. And as I, I think about this game, Ben, and I kind of feel like the second quarter – is where the huge plays in this game had. It was the second quarter that Noah Vedro uh, fumbles. It's picked up by a defensive lineman for Indiana, taken down to the eight-yard line. They score the next play to take their first lead. It was the second quarter that Nebraska's driving down the field, uh, goes forward on fourth and one from the 10. They pick it up, but Mike Williams is not aligned correctly, so it's a five-yard penalty. In comes the field goal team. 
Barrett Pickering misses his first field goal attempt to 2019. To me, those were those were a couple of big plays, and, and they happened in the second quarter of that game where Nebraska maybe could have grabbed a hold of, of that one. Well, and the, the, the swings that directly resulted in points for Indiana, too. I mean, it wasn't that just that Nebraska lost opportunities for points. It's that they gave Indiana opportunities for points just directly. <clears throat> this has just happened too much. You know, we're, we sit here on a Monday and we talk about two, three, or four plays in a game that don't go Nebraska's way. We talk about a loss. You know, Coach Frost has already spoke twice since we've been on the air uh, following that game about doing things to themselves and recurring things to themselves that are costing them games. Lining up correctly, uh, kicking balls out of bounds, shank punts, missed field goals, uh, nine for 14 on third and fourth down conversions. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's just been way too much of this stuff happening, and it, it's costing them games. So uh, the message from the coaches was, a, from what we understand, a stern one. Uh, maybe – a tongue lashing that we're not used to seeing with these coaches but you know hope the the point was drilled home that you cannot do this stuff in in big 10 football games and expect to win uh you know you see it all across college football how close these games are a lot of times and how these same two three and four plays that you know that you're talking about that i'll talk about that our fans are going to call in and talk about just in this week in particular and you know how they directly affect the outcome of the game and this isn't the first game that this has happened this year and it you who knows if it's going to be the last but uh definitely disappointing nebraska played good enough to win that game amazing to think that you know you have a true freshman quarterback in there who hasn't really played he had one snap under his belt coming into that game this is truly his first game as a, as a quarterback and you know, led an offense up and down the field. And, you know, unfortunately, he, he, he had to leave with an injury and, and Noah had to come back in. But, you know, to do this with second, third string quarterbacks and, and have the offense that they did, uh, I mean, I, I definitely understand the frustration of Scott Frost because, look, he put in a great plan. The he offensive did. plan was, was brilliant. There was a lot of things schemed against. They put in some things and they found a way to move the ball. And I think – you know, a certain extent, I was surprised at how well Nebraska moved the ball the first few drives, and, and that goes a long way in saying what what type of work this this coaching staff did uh, schematically during the bye weekend to get ready for Indiana. So, unfortunately, here we are. You know, we're going to probably drill these these plays that won against Nebraska home all week, but. Uh, a loss is a loss, and now the Huskers are 4-4. Four and four. Matt likes to say close games usually are decided by four or five plays. I think this one fits that bill quite nicely, that there were four or five plays had they gone the other way or hadn't resulted in a negative play, not just that they have to go Nebraska's way. Maybe you don't fumble or you fumble and recover it. If you don't line up offsides or not in the right slot and you get that first down, maybe that drive turns into a touchdown. So, But but that also shows you when you're playing teams that are of the same ilk as you are, and I know that may hurt Nebraska fans hearing, that Indiana is the same kind of team as Nebraska. That's a pretty good football team. We tried to get that across to you all last week. They're now 6-2. and two. So in the last two games, Nebraska's played – Six and two Indiana and eight and zero Minnesota. Those are good teams, and I, 
They're not traditionally good football teams, but they are this year. And so you can't make those kind of mistakes and come out with a victory. I do feel like there were some real positives for Nebraska. The ability to run the football as the Huskers ran for 229 yards on Saturday. How about in the passing game numbers, Ben? Nebraska's quarterbacks combined for 20 of 23? Only had three incompletions all day. And that included a one-for-one for for J.D. Spielman. But Noah looked really good. Before he got hurt, he looked pretty good when he came back into the game. Luke McCaffrey, our first extended look at that guy. He looked really good and comfortable out there running this football team. So, oddly enough, as I walked out of the stadium Saturday night, I, I felt better than I think I did going into the game. I felt like Nebraska had, and you mentioned it, found some things that work on offense for them and gives me some hope for the final four games, starting with Purdue on uh, on Saturday. So that's some of our initial thoughts on this. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We didn't hear from a lot of players today at the media session. There were maybe a half a dozen that came up there to, to talk to the media, which is not odd usually coming off of a loss it's pretty skimpy up there but it seemed like they all had a fairly good feel for the post-game meeting that they have with their coaches and the meeting they had before practice today it feels like there was some some commonality and what the players are kind of thinking and what the coaches are thinking as well that made me feel better too as we get ready for Purdue yeah I mean I just hope that there starts to be some responsibility going on in there and you know players taking it upon themselves to do the things necessary to win and I I don't know that there's going to be a greater lesson for them to learn than losing I mean there's that's going to be the if you can't learn from losing where where can you learn so I think uh, the motivation ought to be there the players should use the the message put down from the coaches and even a certain set of players that that they need to start you know, taking everything seriously, the little things seriously, and <clears throat> doing their job seriously. So, um, you know, definitely hope you, you take the last game with, with Indiana and you go to go to Purdue, a team that's been without their best player for the last few weeks, and, you know, a team that is very beatable. And if Nebraska goes and practices what they preach all week about not doing the things to, to kill them in a game and – they go play clean football against Purdue. You got a pretty good shot to win. Oscars are favored to win that game. Eleven o'clock start on Saturday in West Lafayette. All right, those are some initial thoughts from us tonight. It's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. They do not guard McCaffrey. They got two in the paint. McCaffrey to throw it in bounds. Looking, looking. Skip pass right side. Bear out to Bohannon. Shot is blocked. Shot is blocked. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Palmer drives, Mump making the block, double team to open man. And Roby with a tomahawk. Oh man, with a right hand, he jams her. And the Oscar's up by 131 to 30. With the head coach, Fred Hoiberg. Down the left lane, line kicks it out, deep left corner, Thor Bjarnas, and bang! Orang! The God of Thunder, Thor, Thor Bjarnason. It's the three. We've got a one-point game, my friends. 45-44. Your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. 
Thank you. Welcome to our first show of this 2019-2020 season. Here are the numbers you want to be a part of this one tonight. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We got the snow coming down outside. It's basketball season, right? Can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Love this weather. <laughs> well, um, I know you guys have been at this for, it seems like, quite a while because of getting the group together this summer. And then... College basketball has really kind of extended the preseason. You've, you've had a lot of time with this group. It's a lot different than when I was playing, Greg. We, we, you know, back when I was in it, you didn't really do much in the summer. You kind of worked out on your own. And then we started on October 15th, had two weeks, and we were playing mm-hmm. games. Now with the summer uh, access, especially when you have a foreign trip like we did, which is actually on the Big Ten Network right now, they're showing our journey. And uh, you get those 10 practices, and we started that in, uh, in June. And also you get four hours a week on top of those 10 practices. So we've been going for a long time. And, you know, we really had to try to manage uh, this whole process as far as trying not to burn our guys out because it is such a lengthy period of time. And then, you know, now you get 42 days before your opener and you get 30 practices, uh, take the 12 days off uh, within that time frame. So when our guys got back in the fall, uh, you know, we held off on the workouts a little bit more than we would on a normal year because of the European trip. But, uh, you know, we had our first experience as far as playing another uh, team on Saturday uh, when we went down to Wichita and had the scrimmage down there. And it was a great experience for us uh, to go up against a big, strong, physical, fast team and uh, similar to what we're going to see in the Big Ten Conference. So it was a really good experience, uh, learned a lot of things, had a great film session today, got back on the practice court, uh, getting ready for our exhibition game on Wednesday. That Shocker team in the NIT Final Four last March. The, the NCAA in the last four or five years has really kind of loosened the rules in the summer to allow you to get some time on the court with players. That's a, that's a really positive step, isn't it? It, it really is. I, you know, when I was in it just, uh, you know, at Iowa State, what, five years ago, uh, you know, we didn't have that. And, you know, when you looked out your window and you saw a guy down there shooting, you couldn't go down and work with them. And, you know, I think it's ridiculous that, you know, you couldn't go down there and fix a shot or work on their footwork. Uh, you just had to talk to them about it. And now to have that access to be able to go down and work in a one-on-one situation. That was really what we did uh, when we got the job was work on the fundamentals, and a lot of that was with footwork leading into your shot. So, uh, you know, to have that one-on-one time uh, is very important. And then we started our team workouts. Uh, once we got started getting ready and preparing for the trip to Italy, uh, you know, gave us an opportunity to see where we were as a group, which with, you know, 14 of our 16 guys being brand new, uh, there's a lot of work to do. And, you know, I'm not sure we'll see fully where we are, uh, you know, maybe for at least a couple weeks into the season season. Uh, you know, you can try to simulate as much as you can and, and um, you know, everything in the practices, but nothing compares to that game action and how guys will react to adversity and, you know, how you're going to battle through the tough times. And, uh, you know, we saw some of that on, on Saturday, but I was pleased for the most part how our guys went out there and responded. They stayed positive on the bench. Uh, for the most part, they were encouraging to each other. And that's what you have to do. It's a long season, uh, you know, especially, again, when you go back into June when we started this thing. And, uh, you know, you have to be all in it together and again I I think it was a good sign on Saturday that our guys did that was this a straight game scrimmage or did you do some situational stuff at all yeah we actually had 60 possessions before we even started the scrimmage and we did a half court execution segment both teams uh, six possessions and we did that twice so we did it with our first group and our second group they did a little bit different they just subbed in a player or two and and uh, and did it that way and then we had an up and down we had six possessions where we went up and down Uh, we had a zone uh, segment which 
which was very good for us. We're going to see some of that, uh, especially early in the season against our opponents. Uh, and then we did a transition zone segment. So, uh, and then a, a, a kind of special situation uh, as well. So it, it was great to, to have that and then go into the regular 40 minute scrimmage uh, where, uh, you know, again, we learned a lot about ourselves. Can you learn from something like that than what you're going to get Wednesday? <laughs> I think so. A different kind of it, it is different, but I think both are beneficial. Uh, you know, in this situation, we get to go out there and we get to set the rules how we want, and you can work on different scenarios out there that you're going to see over the course of the season. Uh, as far as Wednesday, um, you know, the thing I think is most beneficial is you get your guys out in front of your fans right. for the first time. We had our opening night, but that was the inter-squad scrimmage. So to be able to face another team uh, in our home building in front of our fans before the opener, uh, I also think is an important part of this process. How close are you to kind of figuring out a rotation, or will that be – most of November before you get there. Yeah, I, I think it will be. And, you know, we've got a lot of guys, uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of separation. So you've got 10 or 11 that have all had really good moments and they've also had their struggles. So, you know, it's going to take us a while, I think, to figure out exactly, you know, not only the rotation and the starting group, uh, but more importantly, who's going to finish the game for us, who's the guys you can trust out there at crunch time uh, when things are tight. So, uh, you know, again, you try to figure that out and practice some, but once you're out in front of the fans, uh, in a game setting is completely different. You mentioned 14 of the 16 are new. And that's probably not ideal, but in a way, can't you just set everything you want in place right away and there's not a lot of bad habits from guys in a different program and I mean, there's maybe something to that. Yeah, it you know it just it, it kind of is what it is, and uh, you know the way it uh, it worked out with you know Thor's the only guy that had game experience last year for us, and you know he's the only returner that has uh, that scored it with two points and, and one rebound, and you know I thought Thor played really well at the end of the year in his role, uh, and you know was a part of some very big wins uh, towards the end of the season. So uh, you know now Deshaun Burke was a guy that sat out here last year. He's going to be an important part uh, of our team, uh, but to have all all the new faces again it's just really trying to get them in there and integrating them and putting them on different teams and different units I still don't know who I'm going to start uh, next Tuesday when we play Riverside uh, in the opener uh, you know we'll take Saturday's um, you know minutes and then we'll get tomorrow uh, sorry Wednesday as another opportunity to see what our team uh, is about and then you know try to figure out again the starters uh, and like I said earlier more importantly the uh, the, the finishing lineup it's a remarkable story how you pieced all this this together. You mentioned that BTN right now is showing the, the um, part one of the three-part series about your trip to Italy. What a great experience for the young guys. And maybe more importantly, because you're all so new, you got a chance to figure out each other's quirks, personalities a little bit. Well, it was fun to see the personalities come out as the trip went on and you know when we piece the team when we put the team together we'd have meals early in the season and you know guys were very quiet around each other very reserved I think trying to figure each other out a little bit uh, but you could see the personalities come out. It was fun. It was fun to see the guys who's going to emerge as maybe the leader uh, of this group, uh, you know, who were the guys that, uh, you know, maybe may a little bit more quiet, how you, how you can try to get them uh, going a little bit. And, uh, you know, it gave us – it really was the perfect time to have as many new faces as we have uh, to have this trip where it gave us great bonding time together. 
Was the basketball part what you wanted to get out of it? And the basketball was actually, uh, compared to the last time I took a team to Italy, which was my Iowa State team the second year, uh, we were there when you know we had Royce White and Chris Allen and Chris Babb and Anthony Booker, four transfers, became eligible. That was also a great time for us, but we won every one of those games by 50 and did not have very good competition. This one, uh, we had good teams. We played a team, Stella Azura, uh, who played a lot of other uh, Power 5 teams, actually beat uh, a couple of them, and uh, a kid that was in the draft uh, last year. Uh, so that was a good team, and we played well uh, that first game and then had a game against a Lithuanian pro team, a, a, a Division II uh, pro team over there. We played them great the first game, had a, probably our best half uh, the second time, and then they cut it all the way <clears throat> Excuse me, to three points, and we ended up winning in a tight game uh you know just showed the uh if you want to bury a team you got to step on them and you, you know and, and we didn't do that so again a good learning experience in the last game I didn't like our effort at all I didn't think we went out and played the right way I didn't think we played well I thought we were selfish uh something that we can certainly learn from uh you know and hopefully apply it towards the season but you know to our guys defense we did not practice over there and we had three days off and we took our team to Switzerland for an all-day trip before we played that game but you know at the same time you still got to go out once you get on that court and play the right way you uh, not everybody got to go you had a sickness you had some paperwork issues you had one young guy who wasn't finished up playing in a traveling european tournament so not everybody that's going to be a part of this group was there have they had any issues kind of getting into the mix of this whole thing uh, at first it took them a little while to, to get you know we put quite a quite a bit in uh with our with our system with those 10 practices which is very beneficial because there's no time restraint on it so you can go to it we had a couple two a days uh in those 10 practices we had a lot of film sessions so, uh, you know, a guy like Cam, he's picked things up pretty quickly. He's a smart kid. He's uh, uh, a guy that's always had the ball in his hands, and he's going to be a big part, and he had an illness. You know, the bigger thing for him was not so much catching up, uh, you know, from the basketball standpoint, but it was getting his body back and he lost 10 pounds and once you see Cam, you'll know that he doesn't have 10 pounds <laughs> to lose. So, uh, you know, Cam picked things up pretty quickly and you know got himself back in shape and he's doing great now and, and you know had a really good day on Saturday uh, a guy like Ivan is more difficult because you know he's still learning the language and he played on his French uh, under 18 national team uh, but he's gonna again another guy that's gonna be a big part of it but you know he's a big strong physical kid but years old and it's gonna be a huge adjustment playing in the States uh, for the first time, and also getting used to the speed and athletics uh, of the game over here. And then a call uh, was the other one uh, that did, didn't make the trip. So, uh, you know, we had three guys uh, that didn't make it, but uh, those guys have caught up, uh, again, relatively quickly. How's Ivan doing with classwork? Is, is language just a problem for him, he's, an issue? No, you know what? He's doing well, and a big part of that is because of how hardworking of a kid he is. And, you know, you, you're going to – I think our fans are going to fall in love with him. He's just such a, a – gentle off the court you know sweetheart of a kid on the court he's got a little bit of a nasty streak which Good. you need uh and you know the uh, first time i was trying to do a demonstration as far as going under a screen and and, and to come back up and set the rescreen and i ran into him and it was like running into a brick wall <laughs> and you know i actually jarred my neck a little bit i'm too old to be doing that anymore but uh you know ivan is uh is a guy that he's got a big 10 body already and he really hasn't been in a in a strength and conditioning program uh, up to this point. So I think he's got a tremendous future, but, you know, it may take him a little while to get there.
Going into every game, uh, you know, obviously you have an idea as far as putting a scouting report together uh, of what a team's tendencies are, and then you put in a game plan as far as how you're going to defend the post, uh, how you're going to get back in transition, and how you're going to defend the pick and roll. Uh, those are three of the biggest things. And then you have personnel uh, based on do you chase a player off of a, of a stagger screen, for example, or uh, do you gap it and try to keep a player that's really good, maybe getting downhill out of the paint. So, uh, you know, the scouting report dictates uh, a lot of the things as far as how we guard different actions uh you know are you going to play man-to-man for the entire 40 minutes or are you going to mix in a little bit of zone uh in that as well and you know some of that is based on what their different uh, uh offenses are against each of those uh defensive uh, uh man-to-man or uh, or zone uh you know the other thing as far as offense uh, we have what we call our flow package. So off a missed basket, we have four or five different things that we'll just flow into. So the player isn't looking over his shoulder to see uh, what I'm calling. They know uh, that we're in one of our flow actions based on where the players are. Uh, on a made basket, uh, they'll look over and I will call uh, one of our sets. And we've got a lot of them, uh, you know, but that's something obviously in practice. You try to drill the habits and the screening angles and, uh, you know, different ways that defense plays you. Uh, and we have a pretty good idea going in about how teams are going to play you know we saw a defense against uh, Wichita that we hadn't seen before and looking at them last year the scouting uh, report on them their defense was different than the way they played it a year ago so uh, it was a good experience for us and we went back watched a lot of film and, and uh, uh, went out in the court and worked on that defense that we saw uh, on Saturday but you know that's uh, that's the biggest thing uh, going in you have the scouting report and then you have your play calls based on what you, what you see on film. Pete thanks for the phone call you mentioned college football they went to a rule two years ago where it's a new redshirt rule where they are allowed to play a kid up to four games and save the redshirt. Is that something you'd be in favor of going to it in the college game? Has it been talked about at all among Big Ten coaches or events you've been at lately? Well, it wasn't talked about in, in the meeting, and um, you know, being out of it for the last uh, for the last four years, um, you know, I, 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 it'd be beneficial. It's a good question. Wouldn't it? I think it would be great. I, I think if you get a kid out there and you know they show some signs and progress and get that game feel in action, and you're still able to save that year, absolutely, I, I would think that'd be beneficial. Now, you play 31 games or something like that, so maybe. It would be eight games, but that'd be awesome to be able to play a young guy in November and then go, yeah, you're not quite ready, but you got your feet wet, so now you know what you got to do. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I agree with that, Greg. Three-point line, has it been moved from last year? It has been moved it's back. Been back. Yep, the three-point line okay. is moved back to what basically is the international line. Right. <clears throat> um, I think it's a good rule change. I really do. I, I think it's going to create more space uh, for the offense with the analytics the way they are as far as taking away the three. Uh, it will draw the defense a step or two further, uh, or sorry, closer uh, to the offensive player and then it's going to I think open up driving lanes right. for us that'll be good I think that's one of the strength of our teams uh, of our team is uh, is our speed of our guards to try to get downhill into the paint do you think we will see any kind of a change in percentage made shots from that line you this know, year the players will adjust I you know I remember they, they actually in the NBA they did the opposite when I was playing they brought the line in a little bit and mm-hmm. it did not help uh, the scoring. In fact, I thought it bunched up the spacing. Uh, and with the lane as wide as it is, you know, there just wasn't as much room for the playmakers, uh, you know, to get in there. And the percentages really weren't that much different. So uh, the players will adjust. You may see a couple a percent or two dip this year, uh, but I don't think overall long term it will affect it much. All right. Now I may be off on this. Seamus, you might need me helping you. Is the women's line stay the same? So we have two lines on the courts now to watch. Correct. Oof. 
it'll be harder, I think, to cut to judge that on the women's game to see which line they're standing behind should be okay on the men's game because you're the yeah you're and, the back and, line. And, and it is review. I know you can review the three yeah. point shots. Okay, yeah. Monday night sports highlight here on the Oscar Sports Network. And time to check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Have you dried out yet from your trip to Columbus? <laughs> I have, Greg. Yeah, it was definitely a wet day, especially being on the field beforehand and having to do a little TV. But uh, it was uh, certainly an interesting game in the first half and in the early in the third quarter. And then Ohio State showed why, you know, and it, you guys saw this in Lincoln, they, uh, they're right now they're the most complete team in college football. Um, I know they haven't played the most challenging schedule, but I've seen them three times now, including back-to-back weeks, and they are a really impressive outfit. And, you know, the weather did impact both teams. Justin Fields saying after the game he thought, uh, it, it limited them a little bit in the passing attack in the first half, but they settled down, and he and J.K. Dobbins played really well. And Chase Young, obviously for the defensive end for the Buckeyes, it put himself very much in the Heisman mix, in my view, uh, with one of the most dominant defensive performances, uh, I think, in recent college football history. Adam, it was a bit of an elimination weekend for a couple of programs, and let's start with Oklahoma. That's pretty damaging for them to lose to Kansas State. How surprised were you to about the result, and does it kind of knock OU out of the discussion? Well, I thought OU would lose a game, Greg. I didn't think they would lose to Kansas State, and that's a credit to Chris Kleiman and the job he's doing there. You know, bringing that winning mentality from North Dakota State to Kansas State, you know, which is a program that has you know overachieved for many, many years because of Bill Snyder. They fell off a little bit, and, and now they're 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 back to, or at least you know, on Saturday they were back to shocking the nation. And uh, you know, it does hurt Oklahoma because you know not only did they lose, but Texas lost. And that's third loss for Texas. And Iowa State lost, and that's the third loss for Iowa State. And so as far as a resume, you know, even if Oklahoma wins out, you know, they're not going to get a ton of credit uh, other than maybe the game at Baylor. Uh, Baylor's the only remaining unbeaten team in the Big 12. And, and with a non-conference schedule that doesn't jump off the page, you know, they have Houston who's struggling, UCLA who's doing a little better but still 3-5. and five. So that, that's not a, a non-conference resume that's going to really help them in the playoff debate if it comes down to a bunch of one-loss teams. The other team that, that's probably completely out of the discussion now is Notre Dame. Was that more in your eyes Michigan maybe has found something or that was just, just a bad, bad performance by the Irish? It, it was a really bad performance by the Irish. I, mean, I, I want to credit Michigan because they have played better since that second half against Penn State, um, and especially on the defensive side. But I can't imagine Notre Dame playing much worse. You know, Ian Book was really bad. Um, you know, they couldn't generate much offensively all game. And their defense, you know, against a one-dimensional Michigan offense in the rain, you know, couldn't stop their running attack. Um, and uh, you know, it's a credit to Michigan for, for, for enhancing that uh, part of their, their, their offense and their offensive line is playing at a much higher level now than they were at the beginning of the season. But it wasn't like Shea Patterson was throwing the ball all over the place. It was a a run-based offense in bad weather, and and that should have been a low-scoring game, Greg, and it turned into a very low-scoring game for Notre Dame, but not not for Michigan. Yeah, pretty ugly there. And I, I do kind of sense Michigan's turned a bit of a corner. Kind of thought that in the second half of the Penn State win or loss for them the week before that maybe they did find something. All right, let's turn our, our attention to this week. You got the cocktail party. I don't know if it's still called that, but I'm going to still call it that. Georgia-Florida going on in Jacksonville this week. Uh, both those teams, I think, still feel like they can maybe work themselves back into it. Uh, size that one up for us. Right. Well, I think you just mentioned elimination game, and it feels that way to me. Um, you know, Florida has a nice win against Auburn. 
uh, on their uh, resume, you know, a uh, kind of a, a loss against LSU that's certainly excusable the way that LSU is performing. But a second loss, I think, is going to be very difficult, even if, uh, if one of these teams gets to the SEC championship game and wins that game to get into the college football playoff. And for Georgia, you know, again, they, they had that stunning loss to South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, an unimpressive win against Kentucky in bad weather. And, you know, they've really dominated the series under Kirby Smart the last couple of years. So Florida is going to be really motivated to try to get this this win. So I, I think it could be a, a close game. We have not seen Georgia perform to its capabilities, in my opinion, at least on the offensive side. And they had better because this is a really talented Florida defense under Todd Grantham, who was obviously at Georgia for, for many, many years under Mark Richt. And so uh, I think there's a, always some interesting storylines coming into this one. But I think the loser is in really big trouble. I, I, I'd be surprised if either of these teams gets to the playoff, to be honest, Greg, but, but especially the, the, the team that loses, I think they're out of it. It's kind of a catch-your-breath weekend because then, then you're going to have a couple of big matchups on the ninth with, with Alabama-LSU. And one in the Big Ten, Adam, of Minnesota and Penn State. What a story P.J. Fleck and Minnesota have become. They have, and it's really a credit to them for getting through that non-conference schedule when they weren't playing particularly well, they weren't playing great opponents, but then they found ways to win. And, and since they got into the Big Ten really after that Purdue game and their Big Ten opener, they have been dominant. They have been a team that's making progress week to week. Now, they're not playing the elite of this conference, and that begins with the Penn State game in a couple of weeks. But I think the confidence level that they have is going to be very, very high. Um, And that's what you need, Greg, when you're not as talented as your opponent. And Minnesota is not as talented as Penn State. But Penn State's coming into Minnesota's building. They're going to be as excited as they possibly – I mean, this is going to be the biggest game in, in, in recent Minnesota history, at least since I've been covering the league. And, and that can carry you a long way, especially when, when you have an offense and a quarterback that, that are performing like Tanner Morgan and this offense are right now. So, yeah, definitely credit for P.J. Fleck. I think people get uh, easily caught up in the row of the boat and some of the branding and culture stuff. But he can coach, and his coaches can coach, and they can recruit and develop, and, and that's why they're in the, this position right now. Yeah, that'll be on uh, coming up on November the 9th. All right, you uh, home basing it this week? What do you got going on? You know, I, I have, I'm, I'm not going to be at home, but I won't be at a game. I'll be working on a, you know, a little bit of a different project this week. Still keeping, keeping track of the games, and then I'm sure I'll be back out there next week. It, yeah, you're right. It's not a great weekend, but there's a couple of games. You know, you mentioned Florida and, and Georgia. Uh, I think the USC-Oregon game at L.A. is going to be a really good one, and I'm really excited for you know, the Mike Oresco and the American Conference they're getting college game day at Memphis this week as SMU, undefeated, number 16, goes into uh, Memphis to play Mike Norvell's uh, Tigers team, which could easily be undefeated. So excited to see uh, you know, a little bit of a, a different type of spotlight this week as those two teams go at it. Actually, SMU is 15, and Memphis is 24 now in the rankings. Very good. Well, have a great week. We'll uh, chat with you again next week. Appreciate it, Adam. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate you. Thanks. Scott Frost had his weekly press conference earlier today, and it came out that the Huskers held a team meeting prior to their practice today. Here's what the head coach had to say about that meeting. We always want to be coaches that love on our players, try to help them improve. Um, Really felt during that game that we made some of the same mistakes to get us beat that we made last year when we were just trying to get the culture improved. Uh, The the dumb alignments, the dumb penalties, the – um, turnovers, false starting on first down, 
um, making bad plays right when it counted. Um, we, we made plenty of plays to win that game, and some of the same mistakes got, a, got us beat in a few close games last year, got us beat again Saturday. Um, there, there comes a time and a place where you have to rip some tails, honestly, and that's what, that's what we did. But I wanted our players in, to understand the reason we did that, why we did that. Um, wanted them to know it, it's never personal, and, and the guys get it. Uh, talking to the captains, they, they want some of that to make sure that guys are conscientious to do their jobs better and more precisely. And I, I don't, I, I still feel like that's what we're missing a little bit is just the, the guys caring enough to do their job perfect on Saturdays and practice all the time. Um, because it's close, but we, we can't do those little things and, and shoot ourselves in the foot. We're not a good enough team right now. The follow-up to that was how did the team respond then when they got out on the practice field? I thought the togetherness got better today. Um, sometimes you got to go through some things to get it there. Uh, listen, we, uh, we still have things to fix. We're still improving, obviously, still need to improve. But uh, the guys that want to compete and want to be good uh, – handle everything the right way and, and learn from everything. And that that's what our team did today. We had calls in hour one talking about Nebraska's defense and defensive coordinator Eric Chenander. Tough outing for the Black Shirts on Saturday against Indiana. The head coach was asked to uh, assess his defensive coordinator's ability to navigate through a tough game. Chins is one of the smartest coaches I've been around. Um, you know, looking at what we're doing right now, to me, we're not good enough at the little details on either side of the ball right now. And the, the little details have to have to get better. Um, that, that led to some of the third down stuff. Every kid in our program adores Coach Shenander. They all play hard for him. I don't think there's any doubt our, our players are playing harder right now than they did um, a year ago or however far you want to look back. I, th I see more hats to ball. I see us tackling well. I see the effort. Um, guys are playing for him. What's missing, like I said, is the a attention to detail to do to do their job and get it done. And you know, nobody had to tell Jason Peter that. Nobody had to tell Grant Wistrom that or Joel Makovic that. If they had a job, they were going to get it done. And um, Again, it falls on us as coaches to make sure that happens, and, and some of the responsibilities on the players when they have an opportunity to make a play, they got to get it done. And um, Chins is the right guy to make sure that happens. There you go. Strong endorsement from the head coach for his defensive coordinator, Eric Chinander. Well, I want to thank Jimmy Johns. They did a great job fueling us up for the program here tonight. Brought sandwiches in to kind of honor Fred Hoiberg's first radio show of the year. We like to kind of do that kind of pump up the coaches before their season gets started. Also, Jimmy Johns wants you to know that they have now started a loyalty program. You can earn a free Jimmy Johns sandwich after your first purchase using Freaky Fast Rewards. Sign up with the Jimmy Johns app and get all the details. The Freaky Fast Rewards, courtesy of Jimmy Johns. Wow, what a night tonight. Great having head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg in here for an hour. We'll start now on Mondays, kind of from now throughout the basketball season. Tomorrow night, we'll have a practice report. We'll hear from Eric Chenander after the Huskers workout tomorrow. We'll have that for you in hour number one. John Cook's normal time slot for his weekly volleyball show. That'll be in hour number two. And then Amy Williams will be in studio in the third hour tomorrow night with our first women's basketball show of the year they have their first they have their exhibition game 
coming up on Saturday at 4 o'clock at PBA against Rogers State. They, like the men, had a secret scrimmage on the road at Arizona State. So they flew down to Tempe to take on ASU uh, this past weekend. So Matt Cotney and Amy Williams will be here tomorrow night in hour number three. John Bader, John Cook in hour number two. Ben and I will take care of hour number one with a practice report headed your way tomorrow night. want to thank Adam Rittenberg for being a part of hour number three here tonight. Appreciate everybody for listening here on the show. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you for being a part of this one here on a Monday night. Be careful if you're out there. Some snow has been drifting through the state throughout the day today. I don't think the roads are too bad, but just be careful. We want you back here safe and sound for tomorrow night's show. That'll do it. Good night.